I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Being in business for 16 years is no small feat. And Corey Miller with Murphy and Me Pet Sitting has a lot to share about her experiences over the years. Today's interview focuses on those experiences as she shares with us things that she wished she would have known when she first got started and her best advice to pet sitters out there. Let's get started. Uh, My name is Corey Miller and I own a pet care company called Murphy and Me Pet Sitting and I am based out of San Diego, California. How long have you been doing that? Well, I started pet sitting in um, Coronado when I was 12 years old. Um, So I've had a business for about 16 years, but I've had it licensed and professional for about nine years now. Wow. That's quite a long time in this business, it seems like. (laughs) Yes. Well, when we moved to Coronado, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's kind of like a small island and you can walk everywhere. And I wasn't used to that. So I started kind of walking the dogs and walking my grandpa's dog around and meeting people and walking their dogs. But I never, as a kid, being able to walk places. I've never done that before. So it was really fun and really freeing. And it was really fun to be able to take the dogs places um, and meet people in like a small island like that, a small community. Yeah, I'm sure that's pretty foundational in in how you interact with people and some of your expectations that you have as far as running your business to this day. Yes, 100%. So I got to ask, where did the name come from? Murphy and Me Pet Sitting. Well, I had a Basset hound. Her name was Murphy. Um, She passed away in 2012, but she was my first dog I ever had. Um, She was a 90-pound Basset hound. So you can imagine this large breed on these little tiny legs, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Um, But I took her everywhere with me. like She was like my little co-pilot. So everyone would always kind of say, oh, there's Corey and Murphy. There's Corey and Murphy. It was just kind of like we were just a package. Mm -hmm. Everywhere I went, whether I was walking dogs, doing overnight, she was always with me. So I kind of came up with the name of Murphy and Me Pet Sitting because I kind of played on it. It was kind of both of our business. (laughs) So (laughs) that was where the name came from because we both worked it. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) So (laughs) that's that's so sweet. And, you know, I know it was in 2012, but I'm, you know, that's, that's, I'm sure that still impacts you. And you think about that to to this day. So, you know, how how did Murphy, you know, inspire you to continue working with pets and, and other animals? Uh, well, I would say because at a, getting a dog at a young age at 12 um, and just kind of learning the responsibility of taking care of her and having something that fully relied on you, um, it really helped impact my, also just my way of business as well, just being responsible at a younger age. I've always loved animals, but I think she definitely taught me um, responsibility. And I think that that's really helped with, the, with walking dogs now or uh, my business. Yeah, and also that just that extreme level of commitment. It was not a fly-by-night kind of thing. It was a, a lifetime friend that you had with you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and it was also my first dog. I've always been that kid that had all the hamsters and the lizards and the cats and stuff, but she was my first dog, which I've always wanted a dog. So she was like, I mean, she was just like my best friend. And um, so I would say she taught me a lot. And I was really happy to be able to name the business after her. Um, Cause I just named it actually just a year after she passed away. So, so actually when I named it, it wasn't even, it was actually called Island Dog Walkers when I had her. Mm. Um, but when I got the DBA and it, and it licensed and everything, I named it after her a year after and just kind of dedicated to her. What kind of services do you offer these days? Um, so I offer play dates, walks, visits overnights and I just recently started doing full service baiting which isn't even on the website yet it's very oh. brand new oh. <laughs> so, so what what made you want to offer baiting well you know it's kind of funny I was kind of getting frustrated because I had my I have my little dog Lily now she's a six pound rescue chihuahua oh. um and you know everyone being busy I was trying to get her I was trying to get somebody to come to my house to wash her because I didn't want to have to bring her to the groomer they sit in cages forever and then also just finding the time to take her and pick her up and I remember sitting there going gosh I just wish someone just came to your house and then I it kind of just dawned on me and I was like oh I could do that I'm like I should do that <laughs> so I just started doing it myself because <laughs> I'm just like there has to be other people that think the same way as me where they don't have the time to bring the dog or they just don't want to have the dog sitting in cages all day 
sure. at the groomers either. So that's why I kind of, it's brand new. It's going to be on the website by the end of this week. Oh, so that's a very brand new thing. That's fantastic. So how, how are you marketing that new, how do you plan on marketing that new service? Well, for right now, because that's not my, kind of because it's not my primary thing, you know, the, the play dates and the walking would be the main things that I do. Um, I'm kind of doing a little bit of like a soft launch with it. So I'm just doing an email to my primary clients. I'm doing a little bit on the Instagram, um, but that's kind of for now all I'm doing to get the word out. And then it just kind of becomes a, a domino effect of word of mouth. That's how I feel like it will get out. And that's how I'm going to go about it for now. Sure. Yeah. Especially as a potentially like an add-on service, whenever you are doing drop-ins or play dates or those kind of things of just a, by the way, if you'd like to, mm-hmm. have, you know, that's, yeah, that's great. Yes. So when you're transporting dogs for the play dates and these walks, you know, how, how do you do that? Do you have any special harnesses or equipment that you use when, when uh, moving the dogs in your car? Yes. Um, so I actually went kind of full all out with this for the dogs, but I, I have a truck, I have a Tacoma. Um, and what I did is I added a cab to the back and I also completely carpeted the bed and the walls um, of the truck. Mm. So um, it's all secure for them. And on the uh, kind of like the little tie downs that already come on the truck, um, I attached a double-sided chain to those and the dogs get clipped in either by their harness or by their collar. Um, and I also have a crate that's clipped in with one of the chains as well, depending if it's a puppy or chewers or things like that, I'll put them in the crate, but um, it's kind of all for the dogs. And, you know, we, the dogs are primarily on the the small island, like I was talking about. So the speed limit's not more than 25. So we have all the windows open. I mean, the dogs stick all their heads out because they're on the chains and they just love it. And people, it's like an attraction to people. People take photos. I mean, it's hilarious. But the dogs <laughs> absolutely love being in the truck. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's, how many dogs can you fit in there at one time? Uh, it always depends on the size, but mainly with, you know, large and medium dogs, probably I could fit about nine in the back. Mm. in the actual just the bed of the truck comfortably with their chains and all tied up sure wow so was that a system that you just kind of that developed over time or was that something that you envisioned from the very beginning no it did develop as I got busier with the play dates I used to have a car and it was it would be a mess I mean the dogs were trying to jump to the front they were chewing up the seat belt it was just it it just wasn't working I used to do that in the beginning when I just had a little bit of dogs I would take and I would do the little dog seat belt and it was easy but when I became really busy with this and got a lot of dogs it really didn't work anymore so I ended up just getting the truck and the truck was completely just for the dogs that was the whole point of the truck and and everything and putting the chains in there it was kind of funny because when I first got it um, I had leashes attached with the double-sided, but it was actually just the kind of the fabric leash, not the chain. Mm. And I had one dog in there who chewed just, who ended up chewing his leash off. And then he set all the rest of the dogs free <laughs> as well. So it's been a learning experience with the truck. I think I have it down now with the chains, but it was really funny. I, I opened the back and I just see every dog was off their right. chain <laughs> and he chewed everyone free. So I'm still learning, but I think we're kind of at a point now where it's very secure and I have everybody kind of down packed to how yeah. everything works properly. I have certain ones in the crate that chew the carpet. So I kind of have it a good structured system now with them, but it took a little bit to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's a great reminder for, you know, people just starting out or people who've been in it a long time of, you yeah. know, it's a learning process and you, you may think I nailed it this time, but there's always going to be that one dog that's like, nope, never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, and to, yeah. And it was one of those things. Yeah. I'd tell people, you know, just as a thought before you get regular leashes, always consider maybe getting a chain when they're, when they're attached in a car or anywhere, to be honest, because they can chew those dogs. They can chew straight through a, straight through a leash if they want to. Yeah. Given enough time and boredom or initiative, they can, yeah, it doesn't take them any time at all. No, or they're just anxious. They're excited, especially if they know they're going to the beach. Like I take them, it's kind of like a, like a kid going to Disneyland. I mean, they are so amped up and excited that they can chew those leashes through within yeah. the five minutes of getting from their house to the beach. It, they, they can do a lot in that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so on that, uh, for your, your play dates, when you're transporting these dogs, are there set areas that you take them to, or is, do you kind of, is it whatever's closest to particular clients? Um, so all of my clients are primarily in Coronado, which Coronado, like I was saying, it's a small Island. 
Um, so pretty much anybody is going to live right by the beach at mm. the same beach. It's just very small area, small town. Um, so I take them to Coronado Dog Beach, which I love too, because it's a very safe beach. It's actually ranked one of the best beaches in San Diego as well and cleanest and just friendliest. And um, so I just kind of got lucky, um, actually, how that worked and how everyone was by the beach. And um, I used to sometimes take them to the park if it was raining. But um, I do notice that there's a little more conflict with dogs at parks than the beach. So I stopped doing that. And we just we just do dog beach. Hmm. I wonder, uh, why do you think that is? Uh, I heard from a trainer that I spoke with that possibly it's because parks are a lot smaller than the beach and hmm. some dogs tend to get a little territorial. It wasn't ever my dogs because um, I always do temper, you know, testing with them, make sure they're, they behave. But um, it's just, it is a lot smaller. The beach is huge. There's the water. There's so much more to do. Um, so I didn't know there's little tiffs sometimes at the park and I think it's because it's smaller. Sure. Um, well, yeah. yeah, it's a that's a good good note to have for some you know people making sure that they are thinking of all of their options. You don't just have to go to the local dog park if there are other wide open areas where dogs are allowed off leash. You know, venturing out and trying those just to see the experience. Yeah, you definitely want to test it because it, in a situation like that, you're it's a very high risk situation in certain in depending on where you bring them. So you're going to want to put them in a situation that the least likely something's going to happen when you're out there with eight dogs yeah so, so that's why we just i just stopped the park uh what happened twice none of, none of my dogs have ever gotten hurt but where you know you just see that little tiff that little a way a dog's behaving that you can tell might escalate and i've seen that a couple of times where i'll immediately i take the dogs and get them out i don't want to even be a part of that um so but at the beach i never run into that because we go early and it's always just the people we know it's always the locals and we, we never have problems at the beach. Hmm. I'm I'm curious how you how you manage eight dogs on a beach uh, without too much mayhem or chaos. <laughs> well, we have so I always tell people the the biggest chaos would be when we get all it is is when they get out of the truck because they are so excited they are jumping out and they're falling all over each other you know because <laughs> they're so excited and then walking yeah. up is a little bit tricky. But I always say it's, a, it's all about structure and knowing every single dog's exact behavior. So I know mm -hmm. certain dogs I know need to be on one side and certain dogs need to be on the other because say I put two puppies on one side, us walking up, they're going to be playing the whole time and tangling up the leashes. So I'll, I kind of structure them in the way that they're going to, they're going to more likely walk better up. Um, the, actually, the easiest part is when they're off the leash. Yeah. That's the easiest part of the whole thing because they stay with me. I think they kind of think of me as like the pack leader and I feel like the dogs do respect me. They really do. They stay with me. They they actually, they never leave. They're always with me and stay together. So I never have a problem with them. I think even new dogs, they just kind of catch on quickly with how it works. Sure. And, and you mentioned there like the most important part of that is having a structure having mm -hmm. a system and making it predictable for them so that they know. And, and the crazy part, as you mentioned, was just getting out of the truck and to the beach. But once they're there, you know, just dealing with that excitement. So, you know, making sure that you're observing the dogs that you're with, especially when you have multiple around you. So, you know, those little things. And I love hearing that of, oh, this dog yeah. needs to go on this side. This dog needs to go away yeah, from this other dog. All of them. They all have something. And for anyone that thinks that you're just taking them out of the car and it's easy as that, you know, you, it, there's a lot more that goes into it. Even as, even when I tie them up, I have ones that go in certain spots. I have ones that have to get picked up before others because they're weird. They're just dogs. They have, they do weird things <laughs> and some have to, one gets weird with the truck. And if anyone walk, a person walks by it, she gets upset about it. So she mm. has to be tied in the back. So it's just, it's just <laughs> you just have to learn them. You, you start to, you know all their personality you know all their tics all the weird things they do and then you just do anything to prevent that from happening in ways to help the situation and keeping it as easy as you can yeah yeah no that's 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 great advice uh, just spending time to observe watch and take notes of the dogs in your care yeah uh, on your website you have your policies posted kind of front and center very easy to find mm -hmm. why was it important for you to have them so visible like that uh because I like to be very upfront with everything that I offer and the rules and also with even with my services pricing everything's in detail just on the website because I like when somebody goes to my website they read the policy and um, my services and pricing I like for them to 100% know 
okay, this will work for me. This looks like everything is going to work and we can move forward rather than me not really telling them everything. And then we're already kind of half point and they're like, oh, I don't really like the way that you're doing that. Or I don't like that way that the policy is going mm. um, because they didn't know. Um, so I just feel like it's an easy way for us to just make sure that we're a good fit for each other. Yeah, I, I, that's that's very interesting because I think a lot of people take the first, you know, meet and greet to do the initial screening. But by being mm-hmm. having everything out there, that's kind of a, a pre-screening of it is, make, yeah, yeah, before they even call you or before they're you're even you know meeting with them to make. Well, know, yeah, that, it's kind of like it, it's kind of a way to to not really for th- really for them to not waste their time. You know, you don't ever just so then if they're like automatically they just go okay, this will not work for me. And that's okay, because not everything that I provide is going to work for everybody, which is also why I actually have a page on my website with referrals to pet sitters in the area that I trust. So if if someone says, okay, that's not going to work for me, because they read something on the policy, I say, okay, that's fine. But here, check out these pet sitters that I trust and see if one of them um, can provide something that you're looking for. So it just kind of makes it easy and they don't have to waste their time. If, if they, if I can write off the bat, they can notice something that may not work for them. Yeah. And you know, something that comes up a lot of times in this is that uh, just like you said, it, it might not work for that person and it might not work mm-hmm. for, for you as the sitter. And so just being as transparent as possible just makes that easy. And then, you know, you saying you've got the referrals right on your website. You know, I was looking at that yeah. and I was like, I don't think I've seen any other person, you know, or, you know, that's not very common to have referrals yes. right, right there. So, you know, mm-hmm. why was that? And why did you decide to put that on there? Um, you know, and have it so, so easily accessible for other people? Uh, because like I said, I, I know that certain things that maybe I provide might not work for other people. And I would rather, instead of just saying, uh, okay, no, that's not going to work. Sorry. And destroy. I would rather help them moving forward because, mm-hmm. or say it was a situation where say I was booked, they were looking for overnights and I was booked. So I was like, I'm sorry, I'm booked for those days, but here are my referrals. People respect that. And I've had people that would actually call me again to ask for different days because they said, I appreciated you referring somebody and taking the time. And they end up coming back again for a different service to see if I was available again. So I always feel like it's just nice to help people out instead of just kind of leaving them dry and helping them find what they're looking for. Yeah. And and you mentioned that there are other sitters that you trust. How did Mm -hmm. you get, how did you get to know them? Well, my first one, she's actually my dog's pet sitter. Her name is Piper. (laughs) So she's my biggest one. The only person I trust my own dog, honestly, because she, my dog knows her. Um, I met her. I, um, the other two I've met because like I said, where I am, it's kind of small, a very small community. So I've met them around or they've called me um, to refer people. And we just kind of met that way. Um, but we're really all of pet sitters. We're kind of really good at just supporting each other. And it's not really a competition of who's going to have the many dogs. We just support each other and refer, um, you know, if we can't do something. We're like, well, here we have this person that we trust and we kind of build a bond with each other, which is nice. Yeah. And, and cause sometimes that initial mindset is, uh, it's, it's all competition, you know, they're mm-hmm. stealing dogs from me, but to then go, no, like this is we're community, not competition with each other. And right. that's, that's so freeing. Cause as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to leave somebody in a lurch. So having someone you can trust to refer them out to that gives you peace of mind in the long run. And you know, you're continuing to help people. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. And I always say, I was like, there's so many dogs there's enough dogs to go around. So I'm not, I'm not worried that I'm, that someone's going to take all my dogs. There's so many dogs in San Diego. We're, we know, we all know that we're not worried. We would just rather um, have what's going to work for each person better. That's kind of how we look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kind of a little bit back to your policies. Have you had any trouble with people not following them ever? And then, you know, kind of how do you enforce your policies or or how do you work through that? Well, kind of the reason I put the policies up was because people weren't following rules. (laughs) Um, Slightly, you know, I would kind of do it the nice way where I would just let people know um, certain things if, you know, like letting them know what time the schedule needs to be in. And I would kind of remind them, remind them, and it kind of would get to a point where things were happening so often that I kind of that's why I ended up putting a policy up so it could just be in writing. Mm-hmm. And I really, I put it, I also have some fees for things as well. And it's not because 
I'm like, oh, yay, I'm going to make an extra $5. It's, but it's because that's kind of like an incentive that, that gets people to kind of listen and know like, okay, this is serious because nobody wants to pay an extra fee for something regardless of how small the amount is. But yeah. I think I had to put it up because people kind of, not everyone, but some people weren't listening <laughs> to begin with. So that's actually why the policy got put up. Sure. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like those, those fees, which, you know, at, at first thought, you know, someone would okay, oh, she's just, you know, you're just trying to make these small little dollars here and there or whatever, but it, it, it makes people think it because, you know, it, it adds a little bit more pain to issues and, and, and kind of just self-enforces that if people know, oh, it's going to be $5, you know, it just, it adds yeah. one more hitch to that process. Oh yeah. And I, and I like to say, I would rather not make the $5 and a hundred percent would rather me be able to make the schedule properly and get it sent out on time. So I would a hundred percent would rather just people follow the policy than make that extra money here and there because someone's not following a rule. It actually makes it harder for me in the long run. So there's nothing really beneficial for me. It's more just as an incentive to get them to maybe follow the rule more likely. Well, well yeah. Cause you know, when that fee is being paid, it's causing you headache in the long run for for that yeah. process you know it's like if nobody had to pay any fees everything would be running smoothly and as you mentioned everyone would be following the rules uh, so of your policies how have those changed over time uh, to to where they currently are well they change as things become issues so i may have when i first put the policy up there may have been four things and if you look at it now there's probably like 10 yeah. Um, but it's just because as things happen and they're continuing to be a problem with not just one person, but multiple people, that's when I'll start putting it up on a policy. Like even things that kind of sound silly on the policy, like maybe if you look at it um, and you weren't the one who did it, um, like something as far as it's saying, if, you're, if, if your leashes and harnesses are not available, we cannot walk your dog because that has happened so many times that mm -hmm. we went to get a dog and the leash and harness and all the things that we needed weren't available. And we just kind of, spent that entire time going over there and there was no leash or harness so we couldn't walk the dog so little things that that just come up and are becoming continuous problems I'll add on to the policy just for future for anybody else yeah well it kind of reminds me if you ever look at a spray can and you look at the warnings on the back I mean one of the warnings yeah. is like do not use a drill press on this and you're like why did <laughs> they oh it's because someone used a drill press on this yes no that is a hundred percent a hundred percent why half the stuff you would read on the policy is on there and you're, you're kind of like that's weird but it, because it does happen it really does <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a problem <laughs> yeah so as you add those to your policies. I know a lot of people, you know, some people may push back and go, oh, that's a pet sitter may push back and go, oh, that's, that's being too strict. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's too much. Has that ever been a concern for you? Or has it just been a, well, I need to cover this. So it's not headache down the road. Yeah, no, that, that was a concern for me. That's actually why the policy was only put up about a year and a half ago was because I was nervous. I was like, okay, Am I going to have people are going to think I'm being too abrupt or mean or rude or, or disrespecting them in a way for charging them and things like that. And that did run through my mind a lot. But at the end of the day, I'm, that's one of the best things I've ever done for my business was put the policy up. And when I did send the email reminder to all my clients, all my clients are actually very supportive of it. They respected it. They were happy. And even new clients will tell me, you know, we saw your policy and they liked it because they thought, okay, there's organization and structure. And that's going to be probably how my service is going to be with this person is organized and structured, which is what people like. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's the, the really big takeaway from that is that it's, it looks professional. It shows organization. It shows forethought and planning. And when people mm -hmm. are looking to hand off, you know, their, their, their fur baby to you, like, that's what they want, as you mentioned. Like they mm -hmm. want to see all of that has gone into, and that they're dealing with a professional. So, and so, did did you have any pushback at all whenever you started sending those out? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Actually, okay. even the people who knew, there there's certain things on there that the person that did it had to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> that I was the reason it's up, and they know, they understand, they they know, and they they know that like. They're like, okay, that's probably something I did and I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, yeah. So no, there, there wasn't. And, you know, it's also at the same time, it's not, there is the one side of the, when you run a pet care business, there's the one side that's the, you know, cuddly, nurturing, sweet, you know, to the dogs and the, that actual physical asset. But you all, you are 
actually running a business too. Mm -hmm. And that should be taken kind of in a different way as well. And I think people know that. Yeah. And I think as the business owner, like that can kind of get lost in the shuffle from the day to day of, because mm -hmm. we, we, most of us started out just to spend more time with dogs and it was something we all like, love and enjoy doing. And then we find mm -hmm. ourselves, Ooh, and I have to run a business on the side. It seems like, and. Oh but, yeah. It's a, it's a completely, I always think it's like a completely separate thing. There's your yeah. passion and then there's the business that you're forced to enjoy as well, because that's, <laughs> that's put in there regardless. You got, you don't get just one. It yeah. has to come together. You know, you get the taxes, you get all that stuff. And you do have to learn that. I think no matter what your passion is or whatever business you're starting. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for a new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. I'm curious what role social media plays in your business and and in marketing specifically. Uh, well, my social media, so I'm very active on my social media. Um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily use it to market. Um, I'm not over here, you know, trying to get a thousand people looking at something, but more I like it as a more intimate way of so my clients see their own dogs, they just, they enjoy seeing that kind of stuff or seeing their dog's photos up. And also, I think a really good thing about an Instagram or social media, things like that is say I'm getting a new client. It's almost like a portfolio. So it's mm -hmm. almost like I can have a client go to that page and go, okay, so she's worked with many different dogs. She's, you know, and kind of just, they can review the stories and things like that to kind of help them feel more comfortable with um, what they're getting themselves into. Um, but it's kind of for fun. It's just to, the, my clients love it. They love seeing their dogs and keep, you know, it's just, it's like, it's a cute little way to kind of keep everybody updated on their dogs as well. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've, I've never thought about it in that context of it's like a portfolio kind of pro mm -hmm. proving and showing the, the work, the quality and the pets that you've taken care of as a, as a one, right. one-stop shop to just see all of that in one place. And, and I think that kind of changes the, the, algorithm in my brain at least as far as oh it's not necessarily direct marketing to people mm -hmm. it's it's showing interested people in in what I offer especially you know as you guys are um you guys don't have employees either when you're just doing it alone we can't take a thousand clients so I'm not on Instagram trying to buy you know 10k yeah. followers because I can't take on that many clients it doesn't matter so I my social media is it's for fun it's cute it's just a way to for my, it's a way to kind of keep the community and my clients involved as well as other people as well that just enjoy the same thing. Like, yeah, no, that's a good point. As, as, as a, as a sole proprietor, it's just yourself out there. There's mm -hmm. no point in trying to no. go and, and drum up thousands and thousands of you know <laughs> clients because no you, your referral links would be really hot, I guess, on your website, but it would be. <laughs> no, you, you can't, yeah, you can't take on, I, I get it more for maybe, um, big corporate type of businesses, but for businesses that are small, that's not really what your goal is when it comes yeah. to social media, in my opinion, at least for me. Oh, um, oh it's, yeah. It's for fun. Yeah. <laughs> we my uh, Yeah. Meg, Megan and I have that conversation a lot of when we're, we're trying to, to grow or see where, how we can expand. It's like, we just have to remind yourself, like, I can't sit every dog in the city. I can't sit every dog in the city. I don't want to sit every dog in the city. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. And you have to, especially as by yourself, you have to think of ways you, ways you can expand. In, in different ways, which is also going back to the, the full service staff. That was why another reason why I did that was because that was a way I could expand because I could kind of kick my hours a little bit more with that rather than it being walks during the day that primarily have to be between 12 and four when people are at work as I can do at other times. So you just find other ways to expand too, but yeah, and, we're and not going to need that many. Oh, yeah. And in other ways to provide maybe new services to existing clients, you know, so like the, right. the, ba the bathing one is a great example of that, that one, you don't necessarily have to take on new clients to do that can be something existing clients take advantage of. And it's another growth area. 
yeah, and it's a lot more flexibility as well as far as when you can do it too. As far as when it comes to a walk, people kind of need those walks at this certain time. Mm. The bath, that could be something I could do at 7 p.m. for someone and that's fine. Right. But it just was a way for me to, to kind of work around the 24 hours in a day. Right. Oh, that 24 hour <laughs> limit. <laughs> yeah, the limit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of uh, with social media, you know, your your website, uh, how important is that to your business? Do you find most people find you through your website or is that a, um, or some other place? Uh, it's very important. I would, I would probably say the most way people find me is word of mouth, but my website is extremely important because it's the way it's where somebody can go to find everything they need to know is right there. Um, so then I'm not stuck having to kind of write out these constant replies that might not even seem very professional because I'm just, you know, kind of blabbing about what I do as opposed to going to a website that's completely organized, has the exact pricing and everything on there. So my website to me is very, very important um, for that. But I would say probably the way I get my most is from uh, my most clients is from word of mouth. A question that gets asked uh, very frequently in a lot of pet or support groups and things like that is, is where to host a website and, and how to go through that process. Do you have any advice for somebody looking into building out their website? Well, so I use um, Squarespace, um, but I'm kind of lucky because my, my fiance is a web developer. So oh, he, okay. He, he, so but I can't even really speak on that because he does everything for me, even on Squarespace. I would have no idea what I was doing. I, I couldn't sure. even just put a photo in my website. I have no idea. Um, so I just, I got lucky in that. I said that I can kind of do changes very quickly. I can add new things, but there is Squarespace and you can learn it. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't, but I know that it's an easier way um, for people who maybe aren't familiar with code or things like that. Um, but there's also too, if you're really just getting started and you don't want to do all that extra or pay the money for Square, Squarespace right away, um, I do know people who make a Google account and they actually will give you a free website. That's very, very basic and very easy, um, but they will, will give it to you for free. Yeah. And, and with that, I mean, that's a great way of saying like, okay, I don't know where to start. I need something that's, that's easy. And, and most importantly, in you know, this case, free and basic. So let's start with that and then start building to a, a, a paid or a little more advanced kind of, of website, but just having some place to direct everybody to, as you mentioned, of a central you know, repository for location and information uh, that people are going to be searching for. Well, yeah, and it's great if somebody asks a lengthy question or something, you can always direct them through a link. So if someone's asking, what are your services? I'll, I'll say, I'll give them a link and it'll say murphypetsing.com slash services. And yeah. it goes straight to that section or the same when people, when I have to give a referral, instead of me writing out or having to memorize everyone's <laughs> phone numbers, I just send them straight to the page. So it's just a really professional, easy, clean way um, to get your information across to everybody. Yeah, and and on that note, I one of my one of the the tabs that I noticed right off the bat was you have a, a getting started tab mm -hmm. that I think yeah. is is really cool. Could you tell us about that tab and, and and why you you have it there? Well, so the getting started tab, so that's where on there I actually have an application um, prior to the meet and greet. So you fill out an application online that's going to ask about um, personally about the client, about the pet, and also vet information as well. Um, so it'll have you fill all your information now. And then you're also going to check the boxes that you've read the policy and that you agree to set them out for the vet stuff if something were to happen um, mm. in that sense. So they'll send that in. I can review it first. So say it's a nice way because I can review it and say there's something immediately I go, okay, this won't work. Or, you know, whatever reason, or I'm booked, whatever it will be, we can even skip the point of the meet and greet if it wasn't going to work as well. And I can refer them or it's going to work perfect and then I have a really good idea of what I'm walking into before I meet with the client rather than me kind of going in blind like okay I just know they have a golden retriever and her name is Cindy I, I kind of know exactly <laughs> what I'm getting into I know what what I need to ask because I've had this person fill out an entire application and then after we do the meet and greet and everything's set in stone um, then I send them a follow-up email with an invoice and schedule attached to it. And I have them confirm the schedule to know that we are hundred percent on the same page with what I'm doing. And then we, then, then the pet, the services will start from there. Yeah. And this, 
that tab really speaks to your desire to, for that transparency of, you know, this tab, mm -hmm. it shows you the three steps that are going to take place in this entire process from, from prep, you know, that application, the meet and greet, and then that invoice that's coming. It just clears all the air. And so everybody knows mm -hmm. what to expect. It's not some weird black box that they're going into of, will they respond? Mm -hmm. What, you know, it's, I really like just how straightforward that lays it out for somebody. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, kind of on the on the Instagram side of things, um, you've got some really adorable pictures posted. Um, how do you take your photos when you're out and about? Well, I take I find it really important actually to take good photos of the dogs when especially even not even just to post them, but even when you're sending them to the clients, um, because I just think that it's more fun for the client to get a cute photo, not of just a photo of the dog running and it's blurry and it doesn't you don't really know what you're looking at. <laughs> Yeah. Clients love that. I have people like, oh my gosh, I've had people who will print them out and put them in frames. Mm -hmm. And um, but one of my, I would say I always make sure that the background has something type of color that pops or something that's popping in the photo with the dog. It just kind of makes it look cuter. Um, I'll make kind of these weird high pitched noises to make them look at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you kind of look like a nut, but it's the way that the dogs will look at you. But I actually uh -huh. find it very important to take good photos of the dogs especially the ones that you're sending to the clients because it just kind of shows a little bit that you're taking the time you're not rushing it to just get a photo real quick and move on with the day you're, you're really taking the time to send them a quality picture of their pet mm -hmm. now are you finding yourself using your your cell phone predominantly for those or a dslr or, or what uh, i only use the my iphone oh, okay yeah. No, I think a lot of people think, oh, if I've got to take good photos, I've got to go spend six grand to get the lens and glass and all that stuff in the body. And it's like, no, you start with what you have and take your photos and take the time to do them. Well, yeah. And I, I already say, uh, I say, you know, you're, you're already spending about two grand on an iPhone. I mean, you better have a nice <laughs> camera on there as it is. So I hear these aren't cheap phones. So you know, and especially they have those new ones now, the pros that are amazing the way they take photos as well. And I think they take perfect photos as long as you, um, to, you can edit them on the actual photos on your phone, or if you're putting them to Instagram, you could edit through Instagram as well, mm -hmm. just to kind of maybe sharpen things up or brighten up certain colors, but you can do all that through your phone or through the Instagram app. You don't, you don't really necessarily need, I mean, unless you're, you know, a photographer or something, but if you're just posting them and sending them, they, they can come out pretty nice just yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never would have guessed how important photography is in this business when we first started. I'll scroll back mm -hmm. through and look at some photos when we started eight years, eight, nine years ago. And I just cringe and I go, oh, we sent those photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because it is so nice whenever you walk into someone's home or they show you, they're so, you know, they're so excited with that they printed one off and they framed it. And you're just like, oh mm -hmm. my goodness. Like that's, that really does show that it, it's so meaningful to somebody to have that photo of their, their best friend. No, it is. And it's just, and I also just feel like it just shows that you're taking the time and you're not really rushing it. It's you're kind of actually taking time to send quality things to people and people notice that. Yeah. So after all these years in the pet care industry, what would be some advice you'd give to somebody who um, is looking to retain their, their best clients? Um, I would say to never get comfortable where you are. Never just say, okay, I'm done. This, this is my max and this, I'm happy here. You always have to keep improving yourself, always finding ways that you can do something better. Um, keeping up with the times, you know, like maybe eight years ago when I was doing this, there wasn't like a big Instagram thing. I don't, I'm not even sure if Instagram was even around, but just things like that, keeping up with what people are doing so that you can keep everyone involved. Um, I would say always prioritizing your long-term clients. Um, and doing little things for people that maybe you don't even think that that's, that's big of a deal, but it is like, as far as sometimes on holidays, I'll give little goodie bags or things like that for the dogs. Um, or when I'm done with visits, I'll leave little cards, thank you cards with bones, um, or little cat toys if it's a cat. Um, just things like that, just doing little things for people. And it goes a long way. Yeah. You'd be surprised how, how 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 long a uh, a simple card or a note really goes with with um helping people to a know that you you appreciate them too it's not just one sided it's it's you enjoy taking care of their pet and you enjoy seeing them you know day in and day out 
Well, yeah, and you guys had mentioned before on um, one of your episodes about the thing with if somebody were to tell you, you don't need to pick the poop in the yard, but you do it anyway. Yeah. Um, it's the same with you. If, if you if you feed a dog and then you clean the bowl after, even if you can tell the person's never cleaned the bowl before. Yeah. Just things like that. People really do notice it and it goes a long way and it just shows that you're kind of committed to this and you you really care because you're doing more than what's even expected of you. And I think that's what keeps people using you. It really is huge because it does, you know, and it's not to say spend every waking moment stressing over all these little things. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, I'll wash the bowl out whenever I'm done with it. Or, you know, I'll make sure the water is is topped off and refreshed, even though it doesn't look like it necessarily needs it. You know, just those little right. things to take your time and show, as you mentioned, that you're paying attention and that you genuinely do care. Yeah, exactly. You're like I said, when you're sending the photos or even the little uh, caption that you put under it, you know, I'll even just send little cute things like, okay, Captain's water bowl has been filled. Um, He's had his breakfast, most important meal of the day. Like just funny things like that, <laughs> that people just think are cute. And you just took that extra time, you know, add the cute little emojis, just things that just show that you didn't just say, okay, here, okay, I left. And it's a yeah. blurry photo and that's it. Like you, mm-hmm. you took the time, you sat down, you really wrote out something cute that they'll enjoy. You'll even know. And just that you really took the time to make sure that they had a good experience, the dog and the client. Yeah. And the, I, I will say that can be really hard because whenever you're busy, it's you, sometimes you're just like, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And you can, those can get lost in the cracks mm-hmm. when you're moving from client to client, but really being in the moment when you're with the client, you're with them and mm-hmm. in writing those great things, you know, that, that takes some, some, uh, some training, I feel like, because it that doesn't yeah. always come naturally. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> I've even to this day, I've always been improving on the way that I'm saying things or things like it, ways I feel like it's just cuter or funnier or just kind of just a way that they feel like they're the only client you have. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. like even though you have a million others that you're going to or that are texting you on the side and changing up things and just causing a whole thing. You're just just them making them feel like they're just the only one at that mm-hmm. moment. That they're mm-hmm. the only one you're focused on. What do you wish you would have known when you had first started? That it is my business and not my clients' business to, Whoa, okay. uh, I would guess, to um, stand by my rules and stand by my prices and what I offer um, to know that I can say no if I don't think that something's going to be a good fit for me or the client and uh, just going with your gut. Uh, if, if you don't feel like something's going to work or it's, or um, you don't have the time for it, that you know to say no. Don't try to just take everything just to accommodate everyone or just to feel like you're just filling up your day. Just make sure you actually can put in the time for certain things because that's something that I did when I first started off. I, I kind of just took everyone and it wasn't that necessarily I even had the time to do that many dogs. So I think just knowing to say no and to go with your gut on whether it be a client or the dog. Mm. Um, That's that dirty two letter word. No, it just doesn't feel good to say. Oh, I could never say no. That was my, someone could, I could tell back then I could tell someone my price was, you know, $40 or something. And they'd say, okay, I'm paying you 25. I'd go, okay. Because I was just like, oh, okay, sure. Sure. (laughs) That's why I say, you know, you could say no. And and that's, I think that's why I'm so big on having things set out now is because I just want things to be set the way they're supposed to be in that's it. That's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and for, you know, I, the, what, what's really nice about that is, you know, if, if you are the kind of person that has a hard time being firm and saying something mm-hmm. to somebody's face, having it pre-written and out there for them to see that you can just send a link so that it's, it's mm-hmm. already said and done that, that is, that's such a huge weight off your shoulders. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, at least it can be of, of, nope, it's already there. I can just copy and paste this and it's ready to go. No, it uh, definitely agree with that. And even if I have to add um, fees to an invoice because somebody was late or they didn't do something on policy, I don't want to do that. I that that doesn't make me happy or comfortable yeah. to do that in any in any sense of the word. But it does make it a little bit better that I can send an invoice and put the link to say yes, this was on the website. And there's no and then there's no back and forth. That's yeah. just kind of like okay, that's how it was, and you can't really say anything back. Yeah, no, so it makes I, it a little bit more comfortable. At least I can hide behind the links <laughs> <laughs> if I have to hide from yeah. saying that. 
Which, you know, like you said, you don't like having to do that, but you are standing by your business. It's your business, not your clients. And you can run it the way you want to. And then having everything, all those systems in place just really helps that process run so much smoother. No, it really does. And I think that, like I was saying, I think that's why, you know, mainly why I have so much on my website like that, because for so long, I just didn't do that. And and I kind of regretted a lot of things I did or, or things that I maybe should have got paid a certain amount for, but I didn't because I didn't speak up or, or stand up for myself on what my prices were. So now I'm just, I'm happy that things are just out there and, and there's a link and it's easy and that's, that's kind of just what it is. But that's kind of something that I wish back then, I guess even being younger, especially being younger, um, it was really hard to set prices because you're a kid who takes you seriously sometimes when you're 16 years old walking someone's dog and telling them your prices it was a little mm-hmm. intimidating and it and it still is to this day it's <laughs> intimidating to have to tell certain people my prices yeah or, or you know or something if maybe they seem a little put off by it. It, it it's always intimidating but it is it does help when it's just all written out and you can just send the link and it's easy as that <laughs> yeah i'm i yeah i i agree that that feeling of kind of holding your breath when you tell somebody your 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 price, you know, it's still there some days and it doesn't yeah. always, it doesn't go away a hundred percent. I don't think it does. It's, there's always that, how's no. this person going to respond when I drop this number on them? Cause they want their dog to be with me for, you know, I'm taking care of their dog for four weeks, you know, that kind of thing or, or, or oh, exactly. whatever, you know, it's, it's, but having it there, it, you know, it just, it makes it a little bit easier. It gets those wheels greased and helps it slide just, just a tiny bit more. It's not a hundred percent, but it does help. Yeah, it does. And then, you know, if somebody moves forward, if they fill out an application, I know, okay, they've already looked at the prices and they're okay with it. So we don't have to have that weird conversation of, are you okay to spend X amount because you want, you know, four, four services a day, that's going to probably cost, you know, a lot. So I already know they're okay with it because they've read it and they've seen it and they've agreed to it. So they, I know they understand. And so it's a little bit less intimidating going into it because I know they know the price. Yeah. Thinking through what you use in your day to day, taking care of the, the, the pets and, and walks and all of that. I was wondering if you have any favorite products that you'd, you'd like for people to, to know about or services that you currently use. Um, probably my favorite thing that I have right now is called a pet corrector. And it's just a jar of compressed air. Uh, so it's really just a sound. It's not meant to be sprayed on a dog or anything like that. It's a noise. So say I'm walking. I, a lot of the dogs I walk are aggressive, uh, which is why they don't want the play dates. So it's usually people would rather their dog on the play date, but if they're aggressive, then they have to walk. The ones I walk are a little bit aggressive, whether it be to dogs or people or cars or anything like that. So I have this thing called a pet corrector. So if I'm um, in a situation where, say, we're walking and there's a dog right across the street that kind of just turns around the corner because we don't have enough time to really completely get away without the dog already getting in that state of mind of, oh, there's a dog, I'm going to get aggressive. Mm-hmm. So it's this compressed air that you just squeeze it and it's this really piercing noise that it immediately distracts the dog's attention with just enough time for you to get out of the situation you're in. So it just kind of gets that mode out of so that kind of that craziness that they get in when they see a dog and they don't like that dog. Mm-hmm. It gets them out of it for a second. And it's a way for you to get in control of that situation again, because you've kind of lost control. Once you, the dog's gone to that point, you've lost control now. Not that the dog's going to go after the dog, but you've lost the control of the dog's mindset. Mm-hmm. So you do that and then you can kind of get the dog to look at you again and you can move on. And it, and it really, really helps, especially when you're walking aggressive dogs. Because mm. um, especially because you could do everything to be proactive and make sure that you catch a dog coming, but sometimes they just come around the corner, or if a cat comes running out of nowhere, um, that could be a problem. As well. Or dogs at fences, we have that a lot in Coronado, where dogs will run right up the fences and start barking, and you don't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, and it just really helps to try to just distract the dog really quickly, and you can get out of the situation. Yeah, because you can only be so vigilant on a walk when you're dealing yeah. with all that to to have this of it, it's just a split second, but it's just enough, as you said, to get mm-hmm. back in control and get the the dog refocused on you so that you can move on. Yeah, it's just, it's just switching the mindset for a second just to be able to get out of it. I have one dog that doesn't like people. They don't like dogs. They don't like bikes. They don't like statues. <laughs> they just, it's at certain senses they're weird with. So it is really helpful with situations like that. And 
Um, and it's also nice because it's not something that hurts the dog. It doesn't, it's not something that goes directly on the dog. So it's a very kind of a nice way to be able to get out of it without doing something mean to the dog or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Corey, I really want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day and coming and talking with us um, about your your experience in the past 14 years and, and how you operate. And I, I think it's fascinating and really focusing on being transparent with everybody is just, I, I, I really hope that, that that helps some some people get get past maybe some mental barriers that they have to just get things posted and get it out there. Um, if, yeah. if, if people are interested in following up with you, getting in touch and, and, and seeing your, your work on Instagram and stuff, um, how, how can they best do that? Um, well, you can just follow my Instagram and it's Murphy and me pet sitting. And it's just the app sign for Murphy and me pet sitting. And then um, you can find me right on Instagram. You can find me on the internet. Um, there's not a lot better Murphy and me pet sitting. So they're kind of easy to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, pretty, pretty easy to find with that name. Yes. One, wonderful. Well, uh, Corey, again, thank you so much for coming on today. We really of do course, appreciate it. Of course, thank you very much for having oh, me. There was a phrase in that conversation that has stuck with me ever since I talked with Corey, and that was stand up for yourself. And I can't imagine a better way of describing just exactly what we have to do day in and day out, especially in this day and age is stand up for ourselves and our businesses. Now more than ever, we are having to justify services. We are having to push back on the idea of what is or what isn't necessary and what we should or shouldn't be charging. Corey's mindset of being fully transparent with everybody at all stages of the process really sets the standard, and I so much appreciate her describing why she had to do that. It's not that she likes pushing back or likes having to send those things. It's that it really makes the process a lot easier when you do have to share policies. When you do have to charge somebody something, instead of having to write out a bespoke phrase as to why it happened, just a quick link and off it goes to the policy that's already posted and they've already agreed to. Those kind of simple mechanics in a business and just for personal clarity really, really helps and goes a long way to smoothing the process and ensures that everybody has a good experience when they interact with you and your business. This episode is made possible by our friends at Time to Pet. If you missed it earlier, it's timetopet.com forward slash confessional when you're ready to make that switch. As always, we would love to hear from you. So check out our website, PetsitterConfessional.com, for all of our social media links and phone number to get in touch with us and contact us. Let us know how you are doing, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>